The Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by GoToWebinar, web events and online meetings made easy. Visit GoToWebinar.com and start your free 30-day trial today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jance, and my guest today is Brian Solis. He is the uh, principal of FutureWorks and author of Putting the Public Relations, or I'm sorry, Putting the Public Back in Public Relations, How Social Media is Reinventing the Aging Business of PR. So, Brian, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, you, 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 we've had trouble getting together. I know we're both flying around uh, talking about all this stuff, uh, social media and PR, and uh, that's a good thing, but sometimes it's hard to make connections, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is, but at least we finally aligned. And in fact, I was in Boston at uh, the um, Inbound Marketing Summit, and I think you were there, and I, I we never got a chance to, to meet in person. It's funny how often... There are people that I have uh, done business with. They probably to the point where they should be on my Christmas card list, and, and then three years later, I finally meet them at one of these conferences. <laughs> it's it's kind of the the way of the world that we live in now, isn't it? Absolutely, but at least we finally caught up. Yeah, and, you bet. Uh, and the thing that's interesting too is that the uh, the whole offline online thing is um, we kind of weave around each other here in these social circles, and then when we finally do connect, it's just all the more meaningful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so one of the one of the certain premises of the book, um, and, and you're not the only one writing about this, but uh, you know, the, the, the industry, the PR industry as we know it, some people say it's dying. I would say that it's, uh, it's, it's only dying when it doesn't evolve. <laughs> but um, but uh, what, what's your take on, on how the PR industry has, has changed dramatically over the, la- well, the last few years, I don't know, the last 20 years maybe? You know, actually, I think you just nailed it right there. It's only time if it doesn't evolve. Um, my take is that there was a, a general impression or perception that the industry as a whole was reticent to evolve, that it just wasn't willing or not even acknowledging that it needed to evolve. Uh, the, the thing that a lot of people don't necessarily know is that I actually started talking about the idea of PR 2.0 back in like 1997 uh, because the web was just representative of, of an entirely new way to, I guess, open up new channels of influence. And that's what, to me, it was always about, was in, increasing the roads of which to reach the right people, um, finding alternative intermediaries to help sort of carry out influence and help, make, help people make more informed decisions, not bypassing, but, say, complementing traditional channels of influence, you know, publications, TV, radio, etc., um, and so what I have seen in the last, you know, over 10 years has been that public relations indeed isn't dying whatsoever. It's, it's actually going through an incredible renaissance where the evolution just in the last two years and, and in looking ahead at the next five years are probably going to be some of the most transformative years of an industry that's over 100 years old. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's like a lot of industries. I mean, the newspaper industry would certainly be one, or magazine industry. In order to evolve, um, it, it actually required not only changing maybe how you thought about your business, but maybe even cannibalizing a little bit of how you used to make your money. Um, and I think that uh, giving up control, the fact that you know control of the message maybe, the fact that uh, a customer might have as much say in the brand as the CEO. I mean, I think that's all been really scary stuff for PR firms. It sure has. I think the uh, the scariest 
aspect of this has been the lack of understanding or or the the lack of embracing this new idea or this new opportunity because once you start to embrace it you realize the greatest the greatest factor addressing the fear is actually also your greatest catalyst at the same time and that is once you realize that you never had control in the first place you realize that you now have an opportunity to take control right and that's the thing that CEOs and public relations professionals don't seem to connect with immediately, and that is that you actually only had control at the point of creating the content, but you lost it at the point of distribution, right? And let's just take the, uh, one of the more common tools of a public relations professional, and that is a press release. You had control as you wrote it. You were able to craft and, and, and strategically implement all of your messages, which is probably why they read so horribly. Uh, and the second you put that on the wire or you email blast it out to everybody, it's open to interpretation. It's open to opinion and people will take that, read it, and share it however they've viewed it using their personal filters or whatever it is that they're bringing to the table. So we actually never really had control at that, at that, in that process. But with social, we actually now have the ability to see how people are reacting to information, how they're sharing information, and where it's going, how it's being shared, what the perception is. And with that real-time access to just incredible and rich information, we can actually start to not just monitor, but help shape and steer how it travels. Yeah, and I, th I think that there are a handful of PR firms or even PR departments inside of large organizations that, that really got that early on. And, and I, but I think, unfortunately, the majority, uh, you know, I, I, I always said to PR folks, hey, social media is, is your golden opportunity to take the message and, and the budget back from, from the marketing and advertising folks. Um, and, and I think that that's, you know, I think ones that really embrace that, uh, I think absolutely did that. That's, you know, social media really should be in the realm of, of PR, in my opinion. Yeah, in fact, if it's, what, what's that saying? Um, an idea is only as valuable as how it's implemented. Right. And that's exactly why this is such a great opportunity for public relations. Uh, in fact, it's not just about, and this is why we called the book, uh, Deirdre Breckenridge and I, um, who is my co-author, we called the book Putting the Public Back in Public Relations for a very specific reason. It's to get the PR industry to stop thinking about itself as PR. You know, when you, when you say PR, you start to think about publicity. You start to think about crisis communications. You just start to think about these things that don't necessarily humanize the process. And when you're putting the public back in public relations, you are genuinely saying, I understand that I'm actually talking to people that have real-world needs, that have real-world filters, that have challenges that need to be addressed, and what am I bringing to the table that's going to help them do something better than they could do before they met me? And so that changes the entire process of influence, and so much so that public relations now has an opportunity to expand its wings beyond just PR. Um, in fact, it's uh, very interesting models for hybrid that are taking place in the sense that I'm working with interactive, I'm working with advertising, I'm working with uh, marketing and branding, uh, and to the point now where you'll see for 2010 for me, I'm actually going to slowly expand, well, hopefully not slowly, maybe more rapidly, expand my role out in the marketing industry, marketing and branding industry, and 
one of the things that I've just announced today is that I've dropped PR 2.0 from my blog. Um, and it's now just more generalized strategic marketing and branding because that's the direction the public relations is, is going. Somebody has to be a resource to the entire organization as it socializes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the tough part about social media, I think, for a lot of organizations, is it's sort of the umbrella that touches everything now. And uh, and so, you know, yeah, where, what, what department does that neatly fit in? Probably nothing. Exactly. In fact, it's like, it's like saying who owns email, right? It, it's the only department that owns it, really, is IT, as they set it up. Yeah, really. But every single department uses email, and in social, right, we just... We tend to dump it into one bucket, and that is, you know, all right, the company's on Twitter, the company's on Facebook, you know, we're creating these fan pages, we're creating these profiles, yet in all reality, <clears throat> it's, it's much more segmented than that. You know, if anybody does this, uh, let's say, a 30-day listening program of, around keywords, you will see that the results that you come up with, if you expand your search across the social web, if you pay close enough attention, they will neatly almost always perfectly align to the divisions of your organization, customer service, public relations, development, HR. And it's fascinating in that sense because what it gives you then is clarity. It gives you a sense of purpose and opportunity. So that way the, the organization now has a very structured approach to how it's going to embrace and leverage social. Because it's not just about any one department just lobbing these you know, tweet grenades or status updates uh, over to the general public. It's about connecting with very specific groups of people that need very specific types of information. I, th I think it also shows you how interwoven all of those departments are to make up the, the, the total brand, though, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, we've always known that, but, but boy, you sure get a pretty easy visual of that, don't you? Um, so tell me this. Um, I have two, two questions. Again, back to this whole PR firm idea. I, I mean, do companies still need to hire PR firms for media relations? I mean, it's, it's awfully easy for me to now uh, reach out and make a comment on uh, the blog of the, 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 the media writer, say, for Business Week and build a relationship with them. Why, why do, do, do I need a PR firm now for that? I think the role of public relations is going to uh, only expand in terms of what it needs to do today, right? I mean, influence doesn't go away. All it does is evolve. And so you do need a team of experts who understand how to carry what it is you do uh, to the people who either reach those that you need to reach directly, so you know, intermediaries like, say, reporters and bloggers and analysts, et cetera, uh, and as well as finding those pacemakers, or as Brogan would call them, trust agents, uh, where they are and where they reside so that you can make direct connections as well. The thing, though, is the varying levels of qualifications of public relations now. So no longer can public relations just rely on a, on, on a press release and say this superfluous understanding of the, the value of that press release, you know, meaning bullet points. Right. Public relations now as a new qualification has to totally breathe and live the value proposition of what it represents, meaning that if it's going to go direct to say that trust agent or tastemaker, the press release isn't going to work in that regard. Just the, the pure understanding of what it is they represent and how it is it benefits the person that they're trying to reach is what applies. And so that's, a, that's actually 
one of the greatest challenges for public relations because it totally blows up the entire infrastructure to support it, right? I mean, if you're an agency, you live on hours and billable rates. Um, if you're in-house, you have a, definitely a, an entire platter of communication things you need to accomplish. So to take more time in order to embrace it at the expert level um, makes it a little bit more difficult, although it's what's going to be required in order to have a genuine connection with someone. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you're, you're absolutely right, and I hear this from, from business owners certainly all the time, is, I mean, everybody is in the publishing business now, and, and, <laughs> and you know, now they, they have... Hundreds of bloggers that that uh, you know may be important, and and so since you opened this can of worms, I was going to ask it anyway. Uh, I mean, is I you know I don't know that the blasted out mass press releases. Uh, I suppose at one point when maybe journalists didn't have access to all the information they have now, uh, that that uh, uh, was of some value. But certainly in in you know to the blogger outreach, I, I know I get uh, numerous pitches that way, and, and they have little impact on me. What, 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 in your opinion, is the best way to uh, to get to this kind of new, very influential audience of, of, of bloggers? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, that is a, that's a question that is as difficult as it is easy to answer, and that sounds a little strange, but there is this there's this element of relationship building that doesn't go away or, or doesn't necessarily change because of social media. Um, influence has always been the, the goal, or at least I hope it's always been the goal, whether it's on the public relations side or on the publishing side. You know, it's just this process of providing valuable information to people. And so one of the things that we need to focus on is going to be who are we trying to reach and what is the story that's important to them uh, and how is it that they want to be contacted. Uh, and then at the same time, this is why this, this, this model of public relations becomes uh, brand new in the sense that we have to reinvent how it is that we are spending our time and therefore uh, documenting our time to those that we report to. Because when you are reaching out to, say, somebody of influence, um, there has to be this, this foundation of not just pitching, you know, hey, John, I've got this great new product. Um, I need you to take a look at it. Uh, here's the press release. It's knowing who you are, what you write about, your preferences for receiving information, and putting it together in a way that just makes it click for you. Um, because it's not going to just be about any one pitch. It's going to be about having to come back at you the next time I have something significant for you to you know, take a look at. So it does take it from a one-to-many to a one-to-one approach, which hopefully injects a one-to-one-to-many type of outreach because you reach a great audience. Right. And if I can find that connection with you, so yes, I'm not going out you know, one to 400 people with a blast. I am going out one-to-one. It does take a little bit longer, well, a lot longer to do it. But at the end of the day, the results are more profound and documentable. It's, it's, it is provable that if you can spend more time genuinely connecting with the right people, the results at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year are far more valuable to the organization than just a pray-and-spray approach. Well, and, and the good news for practitioners that are taking that long-term, long-view approach is that uh, you, you will clearly stand out <laughs> from other other folks and, and you know, the, your, your hard work will be rewarded, I suggest. Um. <laughs> Let's hope so, because I can tell you, I, I don't know if you're going to the Consumer Electronics Show. I am. Uh, it's, 
but you're probably seeing this too. How many pitches are you receiving a day that actually don't even take into account whatsoever what you write about? About 50% of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say mine, I, I, uh, I am getting a, probably upwards of about 90, 95% have not even taken a look at what I'm, what I'm writing about. Yeah. Um, well, I want to end on one, uh, and, and I think this will, I think this will hopefully nicely tie together what we've been talking about. Uh, you do a lot of speaking, and uh, you, you have a, a talk that you have given uh, that you have titled on the social web, We Are Bound by Context and Not Relationships. And I find that really uh, intriguing uh, based on what we've been talking about, this relationship building uh, on, on social networks. Uh, so so uh, help me understand a little bit of, of, of the, what the idea is of that, uh, of that particular topic. Yeah, that's actually uh, that's a that's a deeper discussion outside of the world of influence. This has to do with the human nature and, and culture and behavior of how we are engaging online as 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 just human beings. Uh, this this is a very powerful discussion uh, in the sense that you know in the days of instant messaging, let's just say we were mostly embracing alter egos. Uh, and we were connecting with people that we absolutely knew or were related to, uh, people we worked with, etc. Right. And that was the extent of our personal network. Um, with social, over the years, as it's, as it's evolved, we are now becoming completely transparent. We are taking on our own persona online. And what started as connecting with people we know, we are now connecting with people that we don't necessarily know, but either respect um, admire, uh, and one day hope to know. And so therefore there's this aspect between relations versus relationships where social networking is linking us to people that we connect with intellectually, that we connect with emotionally, people that we align with in terms of their topics and themes. And so we might not necessarily ever have a relationship with them, but through this conversational and contextual interaction, we are aligned. Yeah, and, and I've been saying this for years now, that, that we've always had networks, right? We had churches, and we had schools, and we had communities of all kinds, and but they were around place, and, and now they're around ideas. And and I think, though, an interesting aspect, this is my theme for 2010, people, listeners are going to get tired of this, um, is that I think one of the greatest uses of social media, particularly for small business, is what it actually allows them to do a better job of offline and face-to-face. In other words, Maybe in their community, they can find all the people uh, that that share this like-minded or share these ideas, but they never would meet. But they have the ability to meet because they happen to be in their town. And and those folks, they never, you know, they never would have met. Those are important people they should meet. And I think that social media, from a local standpoint and offline standpoint, uh, really gives you the tool set uh, to do that in ways that we've never had before. Absolutely. It makes the world a much smaller place, and it definitely humanizes the entire process because what we're doing is we're connecting with people where they want to be connected with, and then hopefully, therefore, spilling over into the real world where it's going to have a much more solidified effect. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to join us today, and uh, I look forward to uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, grab a coffee or something a little stronger out in Las Vegas. Looking forward to it, and hopefully you'll have me back when the uh, the next book comes out in March. All right, I, absolutely. You can uh, count on it, so let's just make plans. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Take care.
This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast was brought to you by GoToWebinar, where you can increase your reach and have unlimited webinars for one low rate. Visit GoToWebinar.com and start your free 30-day trial today.